Do you want to tell me? I think that would be a good way to to start is if you want to tell me about the the, the new Diablo Four the lore story of Diablo Four. It's sort of a follow up. I've been trying to think up of a a title for what this would be, mm -hmm. and I was gonna say, well, because it's like more, so it's extra, and that lines with lore. And then I was gonna be like, we could call it the more you know. And then I realized that that undoes. <laughs> The joke that our whole <laughs> podcast is named after. So then my the next thing I came up with was the more you lore. Okay, which I was is the not lore great, you more. But the lore you more is also. So one of those two, I think, <laughs> is probably gonna be it, but they're all it's all bad. It's no, all I, it's all real. I think the lore you more is pretty strong. The more you lore is also pretty, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> we'll figure it out in post. Mm -hmm. Welcome. We're doing this is this is a different energy. We're doing a little casual one. Me and Ethan are just going to talk about a couple things that happened recently. Get get a little update on the Diablo sitch situation. Ugh. Now that I've seen a video explaining all of the Diablo history, check that out on Ethan's channel. It's no, in the, your channel has the history. Mine has the mechanics. Well, either way, we'll put <laughs> links to all the other stuff in there. But uh, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna hang out. It's just the boys, just the wow. boys being boys. Uh, and let's talk about some some stuff that's happened lately. So Diablo Four, you is it great game, <laughs> greatest game? So what what I was saying, what I've been saying to people is that. I initially thought that it was an ARPG, that it was a Diablo game. And by those standards, it is bad. But I've realized that that is not what it is. It is just an MMO that has like the skin of Diablo over it. Okay. And for that, it is still not good, but very mediocrely fine. But you don't really have a exceptionally high opinion of MMOs. No, I think they're mostly bad. Okay, so like <laughs> you saying, even just saying it's an MMO is basically you saying, oh, it's not very good from a from a video game perspective. It's, but if when when I have a game that gives me like a side quest of like following a little child around while she walks through like demon lands and the demons ignore her and like attack me. Yeah. And that's just sort of like accepted. It's, I, I don't think that's very good. I, but, but Ethan, the, she has to pick flowers. And if they showed her getting ripped apart by demons, they wouldn't be able to sell their game in Australia. So yeah. they didn't want to not be able to do that. I I have to look into it. Do you know? Because in in the Chinese markets, they're they're not allowed to do skeletons, right? Because uh, they're too spooky for the Chinese. I didn't real I didn't realize that the Chinese were afraid of skeletons. The Chinese are afraid of skeletons. Okay. Um. Says Diablo Immortal is in trouble with China due to Winnie the Pooh. Okay, well that's probably a different thing. You can't show Winnie the Pooh in China either, but I know that they're you know that's not as big a problem for Diablo. Why is Diablo so feminine? 
what's, what's this person at? What well, is, we know why. It's because yeah. they took over a, a woman's body. Because they took over a girl's, so and now he's got mouth boobies. Okay, well, I didn't find anything that wild racist statement you said about <laughs> the Chinese not allowing any skeletons in their video games, but that's fine. Um, God, I don't even remember what got me on that, but... We were we were talking about Diablo Four. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was saying how MMOs are bad. Right. Um, now, so like, gonna get a lot of pushback for that one. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fine from MMO players. I'm not too worried. <laughs> what are they gonna fight me in the <laughs> real world? No. So like, there's you know the term ludo narrative dif- uh, dissonance. Yeah, I'm familiar. Um, so that's that's when like the play of the game doesn't quite match the story that the gameplay is telling doesn't match the story that the narrative is telling right like Uh, as people always use the example of like in like uncharted drake is like running around fighting a hundred different dudes and they're all like shooting at him and you're like fine because it's a video game and then in like a cutscene, he'll get shot in the leg and then he'll be like oh ah i have to oh. go to the hospital now this is oh, real bad beans. yeah yeah so stuff like that so you know that's that's a thing throughout all of video games but i i think a lot of mmos do what i would call like ludo narrative indifference where it is very clear that the two of them do not match up in any way. And if you care, the developers think that is very stupid of you. I, that's, this is all very, uh, this is all very Harvard of you, Ethan, (laughs) to come up with your own title. I think that makes sense. If only because, so I played wow begrudgingly Uh with our friends because they all were getting into it when classic came out. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I was like, I, I'll see the old version of it, the one that's supposed to be bad on purpose. I'll <laughs> see what that one's about. That one feels up my speed, which it was not. It was a bunch of people min-maxing and like, mm-hmm. you know, teabagging you and shit like that. <laughs> and I, in fairness, I said I wanted to be on a PvP server because I wanted the full experience. And it's mostly just a bunch of people with nothing better to do because what they'll do is they'll max out their character really quick and then they'll have nothing to do and and then they'll be like hmm but what if i just absolutely fucked with everyone who doesn't know how to play the game because everyone who's maxed out who could fight me is not playing this game you know where all the people who play the game are so i'll go there and just kill a bunch of random Mm. 20 somethings i mean you functionally got smurfed yeah i mean i did but then I don't even remember what the point of me saying it is. I know a thing or two about MMOs, all right, is what Uh I'm saying. And they, the thing about Blizzard and like WoW is they just don't, there's like a lot of lore there, but the Mm -hmm. lore is all happening to the characters who exist in the game. (laughs) They're not, it's not happening to you. You Mm -hmm. are kind of irrelevant. By the very nature of an MMO, it has to kind of be, interchangeable as far as like what any one character does Mm -hmm. so you're like doing the story beats but the story beats are going to happen whether you did them or not it's just did you see them happen or did you just not do the quest to see those parts and it's just like whatever so blizzard's already like we don't care about what you do that's not gonna change the it can't change things in an mmo there's too many people all doing the same thing mm-hmm. everyone's the protagonist yep, yep except for me constantly getting bodied <laughs> by everyone who's all maxed out with their best in slots 
the framing in earlier games like Diablo one and Diablo two, and we don't talk about the third one. Uh Um, it is a, like, it's a product of its times, right? The fact that they had like limited, uh, technology and interactions, you know, but it is still very good. Right. There's, there's this really interesting sense when you play Diablo two, um, you enter the the first area and you fight some of the weakest demons in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's this warrior lady from town named Flobby who is like blocking off the next area. That's not a real person's and, name, but all right. <laughs> that's not a real person's name. Um, <clears throat> and she says like, you know, you don't don't go further than this until you finish the first quest, you dumb motherfucker. Sure. Um, once you get past her, you do not ever see another living human person outside of the safety of town again. That makes sense. Yeah. Because the world is overrun with demons and like the end times are coming. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, it, it very, it fits a lot, right? Mm -hmm. You see a lot of, uh, you know, human stuff that has been destroyed and tortured and whatnot. Mm. Um, but you don't run into people and running into people, really ruins the atmosphere of like the world is ending sure especially especially in like a, a an open world mmo thing because they do a lot of uh, they do a lot of like follow the little girl around the demon field thing yeah but they also do a lot of like the bad guys are not just the demons they're some uh burglars over oh. here and also the burglars work with the demons because they won't attack each other but they sure will attack you now if i have to paint a target on my back i that's that's like the opposite reason of why one of the things i didn't like about the new breath of the wild tears of the kingdom zelda game is that the I mean the Hyrule's the same as the last game. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I'm over it. But the like the proximity within which humans are just living peacefully next to the monsters who are like <laughs> 20 linear feet outside of the front gates of yep. their city. Yep. It's like the world is too big, I will say, but then it's just every square inch of it is that isn't like city with people in it is just chocker block packed with, with, with bokoblin camps. They're just Mm -hmm. everywhere. And I'm like, I don't need anything from any of you. This is a waste of time Mm -hmm. in 30 seconds. There's going to be a blood moon and none of this will matter. So go away. Like, (laughs) is there a way I can permanently kill enemies? I would love, like if it Mm -hmm. was, 50 times harder to permanently kill one (laughs) camp. I would do that every time if only to get rid of it. I don't have, it's not even patience. It's, 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 it's nothing. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of your time. Yeah. And that's, that's like another problem with making the world exactly the same. Because when I first played Breath of the Wild, I did go and do some of those, uh, like encampments of monsters, but then you're eventually like, okay, it's going to have, you know, 
a halfways decent weapon in it or something. Like I don't yeah. need to do this anymore. And then that would break after three uses. Right, anyway. right. So yeah, yeah. You you grow out of doing that in Breath of the Wild. When I booted up Tears of the Kingdom, it's the same world. I'm already like, okay, I know I don't have to engage with that uh, camp of monsters. I'm going to get nothing from that. So I know. Uh, People like the building your own weapon thing, and I'm fine with that conceptually. I think that's fine, especially in a game where your weapon gets destroyed all the time. You can try new combinations and stuff, and like people will think that's fun. I don't think that's fun, but people <laughs> could think that's fun. Yeah. The problem is all of the best things to fuse to your weapons are like rare. They're like horns from a powerful enemy. Mm -hmm. And you kill powerful enemies using your good weapons because otherwise it takes a million years. Mm -hmm. So if you get one of those things, you're just gonna spend time like not using that weapon at all because you're like, well, this was really hard for me to get because you need like a strong weapon base and then you need like a strong monster part to put on it. And then on top of all that, you go and like, what's even the incentive to kill those monsters anyway? So that you can get another weapon part to replace the weapon you just broke over their skull? It's like, I don't get it. And it's so weird because the game so desperately wants you to not refight at least the big bosses because mm -hmm. they give you a reward for fighting them most of the time that isn't just like a weapon, like a, a monster right. part. They give you like a fun hat or something. <laughs> but then, so that it'll like mark if you've killed a big monster before, mm -hmm. like anything bigger than a Hinox, it will like tell you on their health bar if you're refighting them. It's like, you beat this person before, <laughs> by the way. And it's like, then why bring him? I don't give a shit. I don't, I'm not coming back to fight King Gleok for the fourth time. I'll just go find the fourth King Gleok that exists <laughs> elsewhere and at least get something from that. It's insane to me. And the worst part is if you want to upgrade your outfits, you usually need to use monster parts. And I don't know which monster parts I need to use before I try to upgrade. So I'm not using any of them because I'm like, well, what if I want to make my shirt better? And then by the end of the game, it didn't matter anyway, because the best armor that you can get, you can get by just upgrading the base armor set to the max amount. And at least that's cheap. And you just use shitty Bokoblin horns, the thing I'm not going to attach to a sword. Because my life has a limited amount of time to it, and I'm not going to take it out of my inventory, toss it onto the ground, switch to the sword that I want, and then glue it to that, and then switch back to the other thing I actually want to use, because I don't want to use my good Bokoblin <laughs> horn sword right now. Oh, I think it's fine. People are going to like this game. People do like this game. People very much like this game. It's probably people's favorite Zelda. Actually, a lot of people are saying they don't like it as much as Breath of the Wild, which is Wait, good news for me. So are they are they saying that they don't enjoy it as much as Breath of the Wild or are they saying that they don't like they, they think it is worse than Breath of the Wild. I think here's, well, here's my take. I think the mechanics they give you in this game are better than the last game for the way the game wants you to interact with this world. Sure. Like the ability to just move everything and stick things together and like create devices. That feels more in line with what this world was built for initially. Yeah. And like, no one's had an issue with like the physics engine. It's one of the cleanest physics engines that let you do all of this wild stuff. I think that probably exists ever. 
But so I, I think personally, this game is a big improvement on the last one, just from a mechanics standpoint. But I think a lot of people have gotten burnt out on the concept of re-exploring Hyrule, like the mm -hmm. same map, which is fair. And to that, I say, well, it wasn't that fun the first time. Right. That's I mean, that's what I think is going on is there's it's just kind of like this wasn't that good the first time around either. But it was at least like new and shiny to you then it and it feels a little more copy pasted with like the stuff they put in. I mean, obviously, they put more thought and effort into like the floating islands and the underground area. Mm -hmm. But like. You will experience basically everything the floating islands has to offer after about a fifth of them. And sure. then it's just copy pasted, you know, usually, usually everything in this game comes in fours. So like every, every instance of a thing in the sky, you're going to find at least three more times if you look for them. Everything that happens on the ground could happen umpteen times and then there's really only one way to engage with the underground and i was really enjoying it for a while because it's a very unique thing from the rest of the game it's totally different but then you have to find 120 light routes underground and after about 20 i was like i don't <laughs> care about this anymore and just to put my credentials out there in case <laughs> in case people think that I don't have the authority. I don't have the authority to talk about this game. Uh -huh. I got all 120 light routes. I got all the shrines. I did basically everything you can do in this game within the first two weeks of this game coming out. Mm -hmm. I really scrubbed this one for pretty much <laughs> anything you can do in it. I did all the main quests and all the side quests and all the shrine quests. But I didn't do all the side adventures, which are different from side quests, but are ultimately meaningless. <laughs> I didn't find the funny bell game where you ring the bell that everyone uh, likes to play I, with. I ran into that like immediately and I was luckily immediately like this is dumb. I left. did not explore the Death Mountain area very much because it is very hilly and going over hills is really annoying. And so pretty much anything like I unlocked the heroes the hero's path thing so mm -hmm. you can see where you've gone on your device okay and it is it is a hub and spoke of just me <laughs> teleporting to certain towers and then beelining <laughs> it from that tower to the place i want to go in that area and then just going to a new tower and doing the same thing i and i'll be honest i did pretty much like the overarching story for this game quite honestly if they got rid of most all of the open world elements if and just made kept, it into a Zelda and game. just kept like the narrative elements. And then like, here's the thing too. They did a pretty impressive job. I would say of creating areas where you interact with a specific area to like complete a goal mm -hmm. in that area. And they still let you use all of your tools for the most part which does undermine some things. But if you want to engage with it, like, you know, RP style and just like go through a place the way you think like a person would go through the place and not a guy who can clip through every ceiling, <laughs> you can do that. And it's actually pretty fun. And I like mostly enjoyed doing that. 
<laughs> and then every once in a while, there's a point where I'm like, well, I don't really know how to progress through like this dungeon. Uh, but I don't really have to figure it out because I can just clip in through the ceiling or just yep. climb infinitely on the walls or whatever. And like I can just do that. I can put a spike in any wall and then just stand on it and clip through a ceiling. And like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> like that you can do that. I can get over the fact like I can, you know, you can choose to be like, well, I'm just won't play that way then. Uh, but the game is pretty heavily designed around knowing that you can pretty much clip through anything. So it it really reduces the amount of design that goes in, especially to like the dungeon areas. There's a really good there's a really good part where you I I don't want to spoil too much because so far we've been pretty spoiler free. But there's there's a lot of the like uh, there's a lot of the like shrine things from this game yeah they do they do the usual shrine stuff where you're just in a shrine which i don't like those i don't think they're very interesting and they're basically puzzles for babies <laughs> and they all have very like uh, so like those ones are all like they have solutions and they're pretty obvious and you don't feel super good even doing it but right. like they there are some of them where the inside of the shrine just gives you the reward because mm -hmm. the whole point was to get the shrine to activate anyway. And I feel like that's really the only acceptable way in this open world style to like, cause everything else, if you close it off and you have like one little tiny shrine and you're doing the mission in the shrine and you do whatever that is like, that's an admission that this doesn't work in open world because right, yeah. otherwise you wouldn't need to close off all of the like, abilities like you won't have to make the walls you can't climb and stuff like that like this is a puzzle we want to do a puzzle the tools that we've given you don't allow for puzzles <laughs> so we're making a new world that we can do a puzzle in but the puzzle's not very fun also yeah and like if you like the world for being open world you probably won't like those ones but then the ones on the outside where it's just like you have to i mean they're pretty much all you have to get a green like, rock to the circle thing okay. and then that makes the shrine or there's some like other like you know ambient puzzle elements or whatever yeah sure. but that makes sense and like those are those were more rewarding to me because it didn't take me out of doing what i was doing like some of them are hard because you just have to find them and like that's that's fine because there's ways to find shrines and so the actual finding them part like that was the challenging part now you just get a reward or to like get a thing from point A to point B again in this wonky nuts and bolts thing like that makes sense sure mm -hmm. let that be a way to do it or if there's like an actual like riddle or puzzle element you need to solve in the regular world and then it does it like that's good those are all like good things I think and those yeah. make more sense with what the game wants to be which is this open world game but then doing a hundred and fifty <laughs> some shrines most of them which weren't very creative or clever there's and then if you do them all you can't even get full health they don't <laughs> give you enough shrines it, it, they give you so many shrines and they still don't give you enough to get full health you're like two hearts short and i had to look it up and i was like where are the last two just tell me where the last two heart containers are and they're like they don't exist you can't have full stamina and full hearts at once <laughs> and i was like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> very annoying uh should we talk about something good 
Uh, no, I th- I've had one Diablo Four thought that I've been holding okay, on yeah, to. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, which I guess we'll we'll do the coverage of the story another time. But we were talking about the side quests, and one thing that I do love <laughs> about the side quests is that they are. Like I said, they are like a traditional MMO, but with a Diablo skin over them. Mm. So they often just like do not match up the like storytelling at all with the the stakes. So, you know, you know, the, the classic first RPG quest you get in any MMO that's like, oh, there are rats in the cellar and they're eating our grains. No, yeah. not grain eating rats. Right. So that's like the first enemy you fight in an MMO is, oh, I got some rats. Yeah. They do that exact same thing in Diablo 4, except the stakes are so much higher. The, the farmer's just like, mm, yeah, I'm got some Balrog over <laughs> in, in the fields there. My fields have been infested. <laughs> with higher demons (laughs) you go out there there's just 16 foot tall demons just kind of hanging out but of course they die as easily as any other creatures you're just okay i i got rid of those balrogs for you it's like oh them vermin will be back i tells you i mean i i like that way better if the only bad thing about it is then you next you spend the next 30 hours just killing human people doing human stuff If it was like, if it was like these, this is the lowest you'll fight demons, and you're like, holy shit! I wonder what kind of crazy things I'm gonna fight over this game, and it's just and you fight a man, variation a man with a stick. There's there's ghosts, all man shaped. Yep. Coincidentally, it's. I mean, they have a wide variety of man. There is uh, mugger. Oh. There is cannibal. Okay. There is. Angry Swamp Man. I like that there one. There is Zombie Man. Oh, okay. There is a uh, religious mugger. Oh. <laughs> I like that. Good job. You know, Blizzard, you are nailing it right now. Don't change anything. <laughs> There's... I couldn't imagine. Everyone's favorite company. Yeah, it's good. Uh, all right. We talk about something good then. Okay, yeah, let's let's, round it out. We've been we've been so negative, Ethan. We're just Uh so jaded. We yeah, definitely. But they keep taking things we like and making them bad. I yeah, I I feel so defensive talking about it too. Like if you could just give me two hours to explain why this is bad. No, no one would agree with you after that even. You could talk the whole time. People don't want to... People either want to hear people talk shit about stuff they also don't like and be like, yeah, get them. Get them. Get or they want to hear people talk bad about stuff they do like and they can be like, you're so wrong. You just don't <laughs> understand. You're such a fool. Which is why it's so... It's, I bet this it guy makes, never even got all 120 underground I tribes. got all the light roots. I only had to look up one, and you know which one I'm talking about, and that one's fucking stupid. That one's bullshit. Like, I'm supposed to figure that out. I have a human lifespan. I don't have a million years to search for a water cave. A water cave. Oh, that sounds pretty neat. It wasn't. <laughs> okay, thing we like. Uh... Spider-Man. Yeah, we saw Spider-Verse. Uh, Ethan saw it twice. I did see it twice. We, we went with our Goral friends, and we thought it was good. I mean, it is good. 
I think I think at this point we have the authority to say what things are good and aren't good. So we give Spider Man, welcome to the all the Spider Mans. We give it. Uh, I'll say. I I didn't think it was perfect. I think I like the last one better. So I'll say nine out of ten. Okay, so uh, tell me tell me what you didn't like about it, so I can shout at you about how you're wrong. Um, honestly, one thing, and this is not the movie's fault, but like the way the movie is animated with like real uh the real like low frame rate kind mm-hmm. of like big motion between frames kind of thing, I don't think that works very well with a big movie screen, like a big movie theater screen. Like I, I was having a lot of moments where I was like, I think I would have enjoyed this a lot more if I was watching this just on like my monitor, like a a foot from my face or just like on my TV, because it was really hard to like take in everything that was happening at once when I can't like see the whole screen without moving my head a little bit. Um, And like, that's not really an issue with the movie. That's just like, I, I, there are some movies Lizzie and I've talked about that I've really kind of like, I'm like, man, I really wish I could have saw that in theaters. It would have been way mm-hmm. better in theaters. And then there's other movies that I'm just like, I think this is better just at home watching this. And that's how I watched the first one. I was just at home. Yeah. And uh, so I I will say to your point, uh, the first time I watched it was with our friend Colin. And when he buys the tickets, he gets them front row yeah he's weird like that it is uh, no one wants to watch a movie that way (laughs) that's why those tickets are available right um but yeah i enjoyed it more the second time and at least part of that was being farther away from the screen yeah was a more like encapsulated i can see everything uh experience i i really like the story so my i mean my main engagement with this movie is i mean obviously i watched it but then like i just see people posting on twitter a lot i don't feel like the people on twitter who are like the story was crazy it it was it really did things that i wasn't expecting like i never felt that it it felt like a story that was kind of not necessarily by the numbers but it was like they they set stuff up and then it paid it off like that's just storytelling that's good storytelling so I I liked it. I didn't think it was like a crazy roller coaster of emotions, but maybe maybe that's me. Maybe I just am incapable of feeling. Uh that's definitely the case. Uh no <laughs> I, no further input there. I really liked their they do have I was I was reflecting on it recently. And they do have a couple themes that I really like in the movie and i think the reason i like it is because they don't just like hand feed it to you the way that a lot of other movies would kind of hand feed their their moral but there's this there's a there's definitely like a story of like exceptionalism and both the pressure to be exceptional and the pressure of being exceptional and like what that means for people and I thought that was a really neat thing for them to to talk about because I think a lot of the times, especially in superhero movies, you get the you get the message of like the pressure of being exceptional, but you don't always get the reverse of like the pressure to be exceptional. Mm-hmm. And so I like that they added some story elements into there 
Um, again, not trying to spoil anything specifically. But oh, I mean, we yeah, let's just say like spoilers here. If we're going to talk about it, we're going to. You just want to talk about the thing? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. We'll do, if you don't want to uh, Spider-Verse spoilers, go to this timestamp or just stop listening until I tell you yeah, to start I listening mean, again. I'll, I'll go see it with you a third time. Why not? Oh, um, but... Uh, no, I really liked the Gwen's Peter Parker from her universe that he was like, he was just a normal Peter Parker guy, but he was still really smart. And I guess that's what influenced him to turn himself into a big reptile just because he felt like he wasn't very special, which is, you know, the opposite of a normal Peter Parker, because a normal Peter Parker is special because he's a Spider-Man. So it's it was it was really sad, like it was sad, but in like a good way mm-hmm. of like seeing what that did to him, like feeling like he was supposed to be really important, but he wasn't. And then like that basically made him kill himself. I mean, I don't know if he was <laughs> I don't know if he was necessarily trying to kill himself, but he was like, that's kind of what happened. And then also that's just like the feeling he felt probably so. You know, I, I I liked that. And then there's a couple, you know, obviously with like Miles talking with his parents about being special and like what that means. And, you know, there was there was a lot of that kind of stuff in there. So I really liked those moments. Again, none of that was like a a, a crazy twist or anything like that. But it was just a really nice story moment that they didn't necessarily linger on too much they just kind of let you feel the way you were going to feel about it and then move on and i I like it when movies do that yeah i mean so i was i was a fan of the story and not for like like you said i think the the primary events are like kind of by the numbers at this point but like what it's what it's saying underlying i found was interesting and maybe because i'm just like commie scum i like was very much picking up on this idea of there's there's a tension on if the exceptional is a good thing and if it's worthy of sacrifice right mm, yeah. cuz like the the big tension of the movie is that like for for Spider-Man to exist certain people have to be allowed to die sure. right and the idea is you know d- is is there actual value to Spider-Man? Is it just like we cause because that's the whole thing with like superheroes in general, like the tension we we have in as modern audiences is the idea of like, well, do we live in a society where vigilantes who beat people up are a necessity? You know, like is is that a a thing that we view as good. Yeah. Right. And, and that seems like something that they could be questioning here, but it also, it make this movie make me very afraid and it makes me very afraid because I want to, I want to like, I'm going to take you back in time for a second here. CJ. Oh, okay. Now, do you remember these things called infinity war and Endgame? Yes. Okay, I'm proud. It was, and I don't want to screw this. It was the Infinity War, and then the End Game was the the follow up movie, right? Yes. So, if you can put your headspace back when you watched Infinity War, but before End Game came out, right? Mm-hmm. Infinity War was actually a pretty good movie, yeah. and it set up 
a lot of interesting things, both on like like story events for characters happening and also like moral quandaries, you know, like the big thing about it is uh the you know, the whole idea is that Thanos is correct in his assessment, but overly brutal in his solutions sure. to climate change and such. Yeah. And so like the setup there was great. And then the second movie, they did not engage with any of the interesting parts of it in any way, shape, or form. Well, I think Infinity War has stakes, which is something that a Marvel movie hasn't had pretty much ever. <laughs> like, I, I think people also, like, I remember when Iron Man 1 came out, if you want to really go back mm -hmm. to, like, when the, when the comic book movies really started to take off again, it was definitely when Iron Man came out and kind of reset the Marvel universe because I love the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, but those weren't like yeah, changing right. the world. Um, but the, it, it was like, I guess maybe it's just because I didn't know that much about this character. I think that was a lot of the fun part at the beginning of all this like comic book stuff is just, I don't know about these characters right. because they're from a world I don't really like live in mm -hmm. with the comic book stuff. And so I was like really interested to see and like Iron Man's a fun choice because he doesn't have like superpowers. He's just like a genius. Well, he's got like super genius yeah, people. Sure, no whatever. one could possibly be that smart. But <laughs> but he's just like, you know, like anything could happen. That was the feeling It's like anything could happen. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you get to Infinity War, you're just like, well, they're not going to they already have told us what Marvel movies are going to come out in four years. <laughs> Like, we know there's going to be a Thor. We know that there's going to be a Spider-Man somewhere. Right. Like, uh, wh what? who cares? Like, what's the worst that could happen to these guys, you know? At least in, in Infinity War, they had the they, they do the thing where you do it in a nice D&D &D campaign where you, you know, Thor loses his eye. That's a big deal. But he gets a new eye because the movie series have set up a reason why he should be able to, and then he just did. Have eyes. Yeah, so you know, whatever. But yeah, by the time they were at Endgame, you know, everyone again they knew what movies were still going to come out. They knew mm -hmm. that you know certain status quos had to be maintained, and at the very least, they you know you know that like everyone was like. Well, they're going to undo the snap. They have to because the <laughs> continuity of the world doesn't make sense anymore if they don't. So, like, we knew the outcome going in as opposed to and Infinity War. We didn't know the outcome going in. Right. I mean, you didn't necessarily think the snap was going to go off yeah. when you went into right. Infinity that because you're like, oh, uh, this could just be another other another Marvel movie, and they, you know, they stop the bad guy before he does bad guy things. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that makes sense. But so, yeah, I mean, that's. That's probably why Spider-Verse is a better movie than most of those movies, because you don't know these characters or even what will happen now that they are interacting together. Right. Like, that's the mm -hmm. whole point is that these uh, it's all like new territory. It like feels fun for the same reason mm -hmm. that the early Marvel movies feel fun, because you meet a new Spider-Man and you're like, well, he's Spider-Man. But like, what's his deal? I don't mm -hmm. know anything about, you know, 
girl riding motorcycle spider-man i don't know anything (laughs) about punk rock spider-man like these are it's fun to learn about new things and i will say it leans on the things that people do like about marvel movies is this idea that the more you engage with the marvel movies the know you the more you know about the universe and so the more you feel rewarded when you hear something and you're like, oh, I know what they're talking about. I understand that reference. Yeah, exactly. Which like, is you, a Marvel movie reference. Oh my God, that's meta, dude. <laughs> Thank you. But then it's the same thing with Spider-Man because you're like, that's the, that's what they say. Though. They all have canon events that make them Spider-Man. And they're like, yeah, this happens to every Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to talk about it, which is great <laughs> because that's the thing. Like when all the Spider-Man movies were coming out after the Sam Raimi one, and then there's the one with Andrew Garfield, and then there's mm-hmm. the one with Tom Holland, and then there's that other one with that other kid. And I was, and every time people are like, why are they doing the origin story? They do the origin story in every Spider-Man. I know what it is. It's the only thing that's the same between Spider-Man. And then in this movie, they're just like, yeah, that's just what it is. All Spider-Men are like this. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, well, and so, and the, the, so the thing that scares me is that the interesting part of the movie was that they, yeah, they said, like, this is what all Spider-Men are, like, this is the status quo, but it's also, like, our main character has basically said by the end of the movie, that status quo is untenable. Yeah. And... That's I guess that's like where I come back from Infinity War, where I'm like, that was the ending of that or like the whole conflict of that movie was that you have the one character, in this case, the villain Thanos, who is saying the status quo is untenable. Yeah. Right. And then when Endgame ends, they don't engage with that question at all. Right. They just say, well, well, let's go back to the status quo now that we're done with Purple Man. No. And I... I trust these guys more than I trust like the Marvel crew because they've made uh, two pretty amazing movies right now. But I do. I also have that like that fool me once fear in me that is just like that. In the end, they're they're going to say, but, you know, actually, the status quo is all right. No, see, I I don't think that that's like even on the table, really. And like, I think it's pretty clear at this point. Well, first off, this movie's going to get delayed. Uh, the, from, (laughs) from what Lizzie tells me, like some of the voice actors are like, yeah, we haven't even recorded lines yet. Oh, and there's a writer strike right now and there's no way they're going to go into production for this kind of movie without writers. Mm -hmm. So this is going to get delayed at least like a year, if not more, but we have to imagine that there's already the rough out. I mean, to your credit, the worst thing that could happen to this movie is they just don't wait for the writer strike to end so that they can oh be God. on time. And then it probably will be that because Ooh. the people who are producing this probably don't have enough insight to not write it that uh, way. This, this was a fear I did not have enough information to have. <laughs> yeah. Like, if anything, it was going to be that. I don't I, think that's going to happen. I guess this is just the lore I more. <laughs> Thanks, Ethan. The title card. (laughs) But I don't think that's going to happen if only because like the amount that these guys work with like collaboration from third parties, like so many of the sequences were animated by like not in-house studio people, Mm -hmm. but like people they have contracted to write out sequences and stuff like that. There's so much collaboration on this movie already. It would seem insane to me for these guys to 
go forward without at least their main writing staff. Mm -hmm. I don't even think it would be possible to do so. Like the amount of coordination you need to do, like think about those like YouTube, like compilation animation videos (laughs) that just like animate over a YouTuber. Those require so much coordination by the project runners. It's actually insane. Mm -hmm. And those are like 20 minute videos about stupid YouTube stuff. (laughs) So I have to imagine that this movie is just going to get delayed and it will be better for it. But I don't know. And like to your point of like a logical reason, like not including real world stuff, but just from a storytelling perspective, it seems like that's not going to be the case that they will go that direction that you don't want them to. If only because another one of the main themes in this movie is rebellion. They Mm -hmm. have punk rock Spider-Man. And, like, Hobie's whole thing is the whole movie. He's talking about how, like, you know, you don't need these guys, dude. Do you, like, mm-hmm. he's, he's like, anti-establishment, but he's kind of the other side okay. of the spectrum. Well, you're, you're talking about important stuff, but I need to talk about unimportant oh, stuff sure. for a minute. So, uh, Miles is 15, yeah. right? Uh, which Gwen was in his grade in the first movie, even though she was... Uh, you know, from another dimension or whatever. So she's, she's like 15, 16, somewhere in there. Right. Sure. They were kind of pretty heavily suggesting that that 30 something Hobie guy was uh, pounding her. Right. I think that I think they were playing into the idea that that's what miles was thinking and he was getting self-conscious about it. They, they were definitely like, there was an uncomfortable insinuation, whether you were meant to accept that as a real world thing that happened in the story or not they were kind of like hey but maybe i and i that felt a little weird to me i guess i didn't i don't know i don't usually engage with that because (laughs) i know the internet's already gonna make a bunch of unspeakable artwork depicting all that stuff so like i don't know i i feel like i don't even think that the the movie is going to like have miles and gwen be together like even though that's like the main pairing i don't think that's the like i don't i don't feel like that's the trajectory of the movie i get that there's like romantic tension there but i just don't know where that fits into any of the like story elements that they're trying to cultivate it just kind of feels like a a thing you kind of have to do with Spider-Man is he's kind of awkward with girls, but there's like a girl he likes. And in this case, it's just another spider woman, but sure. I mean, I guess we'll see because I, I will say for this one, it felt like the first, um, widely consumable movie I've seen in a while that was comfortable being like, yeah, there's some romantic tension going on here. I feel like a lot of these modern ones have been a lot more like, you know, he's into her, but she would just like to be friends and, you know, big on like the lesson of like, you don't have to try and fuck every lady who's nice to you. And first off, Ethan, that's not true. (laughs) Secondly, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't like I don't know. I I guess I'll let other people opine on that, but I, I don't. I don't give a shit, I guess, about the romantic stuff going on. Do I think that that guy plowed that child? (laughs) I guess I hope not. Although, again, I don't know how old. Why is Miles still 15? He's going to college. 
Uh, they he's they said he's a sophomore and he's just getting ahead of the game. Okay, and but Gwen's the same age as him. I think so. I might be wrong, but like I remember she, you she know, still when, goes to high school. Yeah, when so, she yeah. was hiding out, she went to the same high school as him in the same grade and such. So it seems like it. But at any rate, I guess what I guess what I'm saying is whether the characters actually did porked, do that. Why or, did they make it? So why, that did, they, why did they make a joke about that? Sure, <laughs> that I was, get it. That was a little weird. I I think you're thinking about it too much. I think it's just what I thought, where they're just like they're just playing into Miles's insecurity about the whole situation. Sure, because. Who was who was Hindi Spider Man? I don't remember. Prav Pravati. I mean, you can you can just say it's, uh, Hindi Spider Man. That's okay, okay. That's fine. But he was also like he was just playing into that, being like, "Oh man, you don't know how much they hang out. Oh, that's got to be rough for you. You must have a lot of romantic tension right now." <laughs> oh, like man. he was he was playing it off as a joke. So I will I will keep it as a joke, even though he was like. He was one of the more fun Spider-Men, I would say, as far yeah, as his like yeah. humor. But I guess he was pre-tragedy. Right, exactly. His is before we get into the, the darkness that all Spider-Men must face. Right, even though as though as Spider-Dad said, all the Spider-Men are pretty funny. Like that's their whole thing. <laughs> I did like where he was like this. How come you aren't funny, man? All, all Spider-Men are funny. Well, you're the only Spider-Man who's not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like that. I liked I liked Mayday. I think she was very cute. I don't normally appreciate just putting like babies into things to make them cute, <laughs> but that was a cute baby and she can crawl on ceilings and stuff. And then he gave her a web shooter for some reason. I think that was all very funny. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, I I like that she can just do adventure stuff because she's a spider baby. And so that makes it so that she's ready to rock. Yeah. No, I mean, people were... Be- I mean, because everyone on the internet is awful, there were dumb shits who were complaining about like, oh, the the pregnant spider lady shouldn't be fighting. That could be bad for the baby. And I was like, what? I gave a momentary like benefit of the doubt where I was like, is there some scene where she just gets like hit right in the stomach and <laughs> right. it's very inappropriate? But he's like, no, it's just a fucking cartoon. And she's just a pregnant lady. I mean, it's okay. And also... That's such a telling thing, right? When they're like, there's a living live baby (laughs) that's also getting thrown out into adventures who's also a spider baby, and they don't give a shit about that one. But, oh, if it's a fetus, oh, heaven's sake, we have to protect the fetus spider baby. God forbid. Anything happened to spider fetus. Uh, but if, you, that, if that spider mom wants to get on benefits, I'm thinking no chance. Have you seen what she, you know, looks like? Get a that real seems, job. That seems like a thing she would try to do, is all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, no. I, um, I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to reestablish the status quo at the end of this. I, I don't think that makes sense, if only because of the way Hobie interacts. And, like, granted, he's kind of the, like, he's too much like he's Mm -hmm. like too anti-establishment because he's based on just like the idea of punk which is not like a sustainable way of thinking but you do need to think a little bit like that and be like well maybe the status quo doesn't have people's best interest (laughs) in mind like that's a good thing to think about Mm -hmm. if punk makes you question authority then that's good you should question authority i think that's hobie's whole purpose and just the very fact that by the end of it they're doing like punk rock teleporting as opposed to the like standard teleporting like that's already setting up that it's like 
it's this punk rebellion versus the status quo, and it's all it's Spider-Man all the way down, and that's gonna be awesome. Right. Yeah. No, I mean there's like there's definitely there's plenty of good setup, you know. There's there's that whole there's the whole thing of like uh Miles is the one who doesn't belong, but then uh what's our what's our main antagonist, Spider-Man's uh name, do you remember? Ramon? If I open Twitter, it'll just be right there. Okay. There's. Do you want to know P- something? People are into into. Oh, do you want to know something yeah. fun? No. Um, people are really into Spider-Man ships, as we have been sure. saying. Yep. Who do you think they ship with the uh, the big, powerful leader Spider-Man? I'm gonna guess Peter. No, you have to think better. You can do this, Ethan. Uh, is it uh? Is it spots? Does he fill all of his holes? No, it is. Uh, it's Lego Spider Man. Oh, <laughs> like he was like you're one of the best ones. I I have seen I've seen an exceptional picture. Um, it was it is very much in the vein of like like Shrek and Mike Wazowski with Sonic as their baby, but it was. <laughs> It was Lego Spider-Man holding a little Lego baby, and he's like, he's yours. I mean, ours. Oh, <laughs> my God. And he's, like, holding it in his hand because he's canonically oh, Lego, yeah. Lego-sized. Um, oh, people are weird, man. I think it's funny. I like it. Um, it can be both. It could be funny, but deeply, deeply weird. No, people are people are loving the fan art. Um, but anyway, my point was that Miles is, has been set up as, you know, he's different from the other Spider-Man. He doesn't fit in. He doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. But then our vampire Spider-Man has also, he's said kind of the same thing, right? Where he's like, I'm not like the other Spider-Man. And he's the one who's not funny, right? So mm-hmm. he also doesn't belong, but he is like performing the, uh, you know, like the status quo, the necessity, right? Yeah. And so... It's it sets up like a good tension, not just between like these two aren't doing things that each other like, but uh, these two are both people who don't belong. And one of them is violently trying to fit in and one of them is violently trying to break out. Right. Uh, It's Miguel. Yeah. Don't. okay. It's a it's a it's a picture of I'll save it. I'll put it up on the screen and I'll <laughs> I'll credit good good job at Simo Simi. You you did it. You made the best picture. Good good job. Also, I saw people tweeting and they were like, uh Spider Pig gave Miles his hammer during the first movie. And if that doesn't come back at a crucial moment, <laughs> I'm gonna be very disappointed. Well, they added Spider Pig in at the end. He's coming to save Miles, so he can. They did it. Miles, use the hammer. I was, I was actually so not expecting them to have the John Mulaney voice in there. I know it was, <laughs> I know it was just a line from the previous movie, but when he was doing that line, he was hardcore on cocaine. So <laughs> it was, it was a little wild to me that they kept that one. Um, but I'm sure he'll be back to to voice Spider Pig in the next one because he's all clean now and cool, and he might have he might have divorced his wife to get a a a, a different wife and to put a baby in her, but he's clean now. I mean that'll and happen. Yeah, I mean I I think he is been through a lot. 
She let him divorce his wife. (laughs) There's no good thing that I can say in response to that. There's nothing that isn't damning. So, sure. My goal in life and in these recordings, Ethan, is to sort of back you into a verbal corner. (laughs) To force to, so that any move you make is the wrong move. I mean, I believe at the beginning of this, I, of my own volition, started talking about the Chinese. Yeah, so. you did, and how afraid they are of skeletons. Well, <laughs> skeletons. Um, just to wrap all this up, uh, the beginning and end of the Spider Verse movie starts with like a drum solo, and mm-hmm. then at the end, it has like a a lone rock guitar crying out as the rebellion is forming against this new world spider order mm-hmm. and it's awesome and sometimes i think music theory and like music execution in media is dead because i play things like the legend of zelda tears of the <laughs> kingdom and i get so pissed off that they have good musical moments but they're so far in between each other. Just put good music through the whole thing. And then I see something like Spider-Verse and I'm like, finally, they get it. They get theming. You start where you end at full circle. You get a new, you add on top of it. And then in the end, uh, and then in Tears of the Kingdom, they don't ever give me the fast version of the Rito Village song. They only give me the slow, sad version and it makes me sad. Even when I saved their village, it didn't become the happy version. Makes me sad. I guess, yeah, that's the most important wrap-up is, by the way, CJ hates Tears of the Kingdom. I don't hate it. I just hate that. I I hate I can't like it. Absolutely at him. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh, That's okay. I've played more Zelda than all of you. Um, Anyway, uh, thanks for hanging out. This has been different, but I like it. I like just talking about stuff, having a rap with my boy, my Mm -hmm. sweet lad. Let us know if you liked more when we talked about things we liked or things we hated. Because I've got a lot of things that I hate. Yeah, we we could very easily just talk about things we hate all the time. Not to be some sort of (laughs) a couple of angry video game nerds, but, uh, you know. We could uh, just sort of, like, start dressing ourselves like those two angry Muppets on the the balcony, the critics. I love those guys, though. (laughs) Those are my role models. Tears of the kingdom. The only tears are mine. Ha 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 ha. All right. Well, it's been good hanging out. We'll see you guys. Hey, make sure to tune in. We'll have a regular episode next week uh, of more lore you know. But for now, this is the more you lore. The lore you more. All right. See you guys. <laughs>